Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC's orthopedics team, offering hip, knee, joint, spine, and back treatments. Learn more at upmc.com slash centralpaortho. We've seen players go down with head injuries before, and uh, as horrible as that may sound, we've grown accustomed to it, seeing guys take hard hits, uh, see them stay down for a little while, get back up, give the thumbs up, and, mm-hmm. and that's all we were all hoping for was that that DeMar Hamlin was going to get up and that he was going to get on in that ambulance, he was going to give us a thumbs up, and we were all going to know that he was okay. And, and, and when that didn't happen, I think this entire stadium was just devastated. I mean, I mean, right now, all I can really think about is is that player, his teammates, just seeing the agony on their faces, the concern on their faces. They're scared for him right now, and they should be. Uh, we all should be. That's Lisa Salters of ESPN after the world watched on live TV as 24-year-old DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills collapsed on the football field, suffering from cardiac arrest Monday night during an NFL game in Cincinnati. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. Hamlin, who was a Western Pennsylvania native and Pitt graduate, had just tackled a Cincinnati player, took a few steps afterwards, and fell to the ground. Doctors, EMTs, and trainers rushed to Hamlin and performed CPR on him to get his heart beating again. Hamlin is still in critical condition, but is said to be improving. What caused Hamlin's heart to stop isn't known for sure at this point. No doubt the circumstances in which Hamlin's heart problems surfaced has helped to generate so much interest. However, sudden cardiac arrest isn't unusual. In fact, today's guest daughter died of it 10 years ago. We're joined today by Julie Walker, founder of the Peyton Walker Foundation, whose mission is to increase awareness and survival rates for sudden cardiac arrest. Julie Walker, good to see you again. Thanks for having us. Now, I understand that uh, you didn't see DeMar Hamlin collapse live when it happened. What were the circumstances when you saw it, and what were your thoughts? Well, I was actually on a phone call, and my daughter texted me and said, Mom, you've got to turn on the TV. Um, An NFL player collapsed, and they're actually doing CPR. Well, my first thought is, why is my daughter actually watching the NFL? I was shocked. Um, But I did turn the TV on, and I was absolutely sick to my stomach immediately. My thoughts went right to his mom. Where's his mom? What is she seeing? What is she feeling? What is she thinking? Just as a mom who's gone through this, I put myself in that in her position immediately, and just my heart went out to her. Well, you partially touched on this, but uh, I mean, this is personal for you. You lost your daughter Peyton uh, ten years ago, uh, but when you hear about someone like Demar Hamlin, because there, this happens so so often, so frequently. Uh, where someone goes through cardiac arrest or sudden uh, cardiac arrest. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, personally, d- does it go back to uh, to Peyton? Well, in a way, we're fortunate. We didn't witness Peyton's sudden cardiac arrest. She was up at King's College um, in her apartment getting ready to go to work that day at the emergency room um, at Wilkes-Barre Hospital. And you think, wow, if it had been 20 minutes later, maybe she would have been in the hospital when she arrested and they could have saved her. But I try not to go down that rabbit hole. Um 
when I, as I sat and watched this unfold, I thought, you know what, as tragic as this is, this is going to be an incredible educational and awareness opportunity for us to act on because this has the entire attention of the nation right now. Um, we've been inundated at the Peyton Walker Foundation all week with phone calls, emails, people asking, how do I get CPR training? How do we get an AED? And people finally see and understand this is what sudden cardiac arrest is. This is what it looks like. Why does it take a tragedy like this to get people's attention? You know, that's a great question. And we've been preaching for nine years, standing on our soapbox. And I keep telling parents, get your kids' heart screened. Uh, make sure there's an AED. Learn CPR. And until it really hits home, people, you know, it's it's blind blind eye to everything. People say, oh, not my kid. That's not going to happen. They're, they're, perfect. they're an athlete in perfect health. They've passed their sports physical. They're fine. There's nothing to worry about. Until it's not. So I, I think, you know, when things like this happen, it's really you've got to take um, take another look at it and see what is the learning opportunity here? How can we make better outcomes? How can we affect other changes um, in sports? Make sure there's cardiac emergency response plans in place. I mean, we are working nonstop behind the scenes now. We've already reached out to PIAA. We've reached out to the coaches um, association, football coaches association. We can't stop now. Like now, now's the time that we have got to continue this momentum and make changes so that all of our kiddos are safe. There are so many people who have been speculating over the last few days, which really is not a good thing. But the unknown, uh, people asking, how could this happen to a world-class athlete? And something you just described, that uh, all athletes, whether they're in high school, whether they're in college, especially in, in pr the pros, that they go through medical, uh, you know, their, their, their bodies are monitored all the time. How could someone miss uh, a heart condition if indeed he had a heart condition to begin with? Well, you know, that that's a great question, but let's let's peel that back one step further. Um, sudden cardiac arrest does not discriminate between athletes and non-athletes. Right. So if you're a parent saying, well, my kid doesn't play sports, so they're fine. No, don't take solace in that. That's not true. So it can happen to anyone, athletes or non-athletes. That's first and foremost. Um, another very sensitive topic right now is, okay, yes, he most likely had extensive cardiac um, work throughout the, the past few years as an NFL player. They do workups. They do testings. So what we're looking at, and there's been, I think, a 40% increase in sudden death in, in people under 45. Is it vaccine related? Is it, you know, COVID related? We don't know. We don't know what's going on. But there are also still other conditions that could be in place that could have developed since his last exam. You know, it could be an aneurysm exploded. We don't know. And maybe it's not for us to know. But I think it's for us to take it and make it a better, like, how do we change the future? What is sudden cardiac arrest? So it's when, when and one of the things they're looking at with this, the commotio cordis, it's that could be when, when the heart is hit at exactly the wrong place at the wrong time that causes a disruption in the heart rhythm. So people need to understand, <clears throat> excuse me, the heart is operating on an electrical impulse. And once that electrical system is disrupted, that's when the heart goes into a cardiac arrest. It beats ineffectively and inefficiently and is not able to pump blood throughout the body. Completely different than a heart attack. That's where you've got some blockage and it's, the heart just can't pump the blood effectively through the body. You have a warning when you're having a heart attack. Now we know what a cardiac arrest looks like. It is sudden, without warning, lights out, game over.
not a heart attack, right? Completely different. Completely how is it, how's it different? Well, again, it's it's a plumbing issue versus an electrical problem. So you saw it's like when you're sitting in your living room and the power goes out. It happens without warning. The power company doesn't call you in advance and say, hey, we're about to shut your power off and really be an inconvenience for you. We don't get that phone call. Same thing with a cardiac arrest. When he stood up, he collapsed immediately without warning. Someone who's having a heart attack, typically they'll have chest pain. They're grabbing their chest. They might feel lightheaded. Um, you know, the jaw pain, the arm pain. So they have a lot of warning signs that something is going on much more, much more of a notice. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that uh, we learned during the broadcast of uh, Monday night and have since learned uh, a little more detail is that uh, CPR was used uh, to revive uh, DeMar Hamlin. His uncle said he actually died twice. Now, I don't know what that means, whether that means his heart actually stopped and they, they said that he died. But uh, uh, CPR helped to save his life. And I want to tell you that coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to have a tutorial on CPR and uh, we're going to have some video along with it. So uh, I encourage you to go to WITF.org slash CPR and uh, we'll, we, we have a mannequin here on the floor right next to me and uh, Ashley will be uh, showing us uh, some, some tips on how to perform uh, CPR. So uh, we encourage you to do that. It's WITF.org slash CPR, and we will be live doing that in, in just a few minutes. Uh, CPR, we did hear, probably saved uh, DeMar's life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think DeMar was lucky, and we say survival shouldn't depend on luck. He was lucky he was, you know, in a stadium full of people. He was lucky that he had world-class trainers, athletic trainers, and medical doctors at his side. Lucky they started CPR. Well, first of all, they, he was lucky they recognized it was uh, sudden cardiac arrest. They knew immediately, this is this is serious, this is cardiac arrest. Initiated CPR, got the AED. So talk about a perfect plan in place. He was lucky, and it shouldn't depend on luck for survival. We need people to immediately recognize CPR, start the chest compressions, and it's you know pushing hard and fast on the chest, and then making sure we get AEDs on the on the victim's chest as well, so that we can get the electrical um, shock from an AED that will help to restart the heart into a normal rhythm. But CPR is an, an incredibly important component in this whole process because we've got to get the oxygenated blood pumping through the body. So important just to get that started immediately. Uh, again, speculation, but I've heard people say that uh, there was a possibility that uh, DeMar Hamlin suffered brain damage because he didn't get oxygen to his brain. It's hard to speculate, but that was a short amount of time by just what you described. Well, yeah, he was lucky because it was such an incredibly fast response. And typically, survival rates from sudden cardiac arrest are less than 10%. Like, less than 10% of people who experience cardiac arrest survive. So the odds are already stacked against you. And the, the moment your heart's in cardiac arrest, you are dead. You are dead, pretty much, until you get some resuscitation and a, and a shock to bring your heart back. So when you say he died multiple times, that's that's not that's you're not that's no joke. Um, so making sure again, you know, get the CPR going is such a critical such a critical component. Hmm. Ashley, now we're in a little bit of a. I have to pull my headphone wire here a little bit, but let me get to you. How are you today? 
I'm great. Thanks so much for having us. This is a great opportunity to teach people how to perform effective hands-only CPR. Are you able to do it in uh, a few, just a few minutes? Because I know most of the time uh, there's some extensive training that goes into it, right? Yeah. You know, our philosophy is you don't need to be certified. You don't need to take a two-hour or a four-hour class to learn CPR to do it effectively. Practicing it taking a demonstration, that's all you need. You don't need to be certified to help someone who's in cardiac arrest. All right. So who is this uh, person that uh, is on the floor here in our studio that uh, you're going to uh, perform CPR on? All right. Well, we have Manny the mannequin here. Manny. That's a magative. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to recognize cardiac arrest. And so as we all saw, um, it is an immediate collapse. Um, the person is unresponsive and not breathing. So that's the most important step is actually recognizing this as a cardiac arrest. And so, you know, our philosophy, again, is it's better to perform CPR on someone who doesn't need it than not perform CPR on someone who actually does. If the person doesn't need CPR, they will let you know. <laughs> it is it is a forceful uh, compression of the chest. So if the person is not actually in cardiac arrest, they will let you know immediately. So what we're going to do is we're going to recognize that this person is in cardiac arrest. We're going to get down here on the patient any clothing off the chest immediately. Uh, don't cover up their mouth like that. But <laughs> this is uh, just, you want access to the chest here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have knees along the body of the chest. Kind of, you're going to be parallel to the body. You're going to put the heel of your hand, the center of the chest. Now, us old folks, we might have heard uh, nipple line. Now, um, as a woman, and many women will understand this, the nipple line is maybe not at the center of the chest anymore. So we're not going to worry about nipple line. We're going to worry about center of the chest. So you're going to feel that breastbone. You're going to put the, the heel of your hand here in the center of the chest, other hand overlap, fingers interlocked, and I'm going to be in a uh, locked arm position, and I'm going to put my whole chest down never leaving the chest with my hands, but I'm allowing the chest to recoil. So I'm going down two to two and a quarter inches and then allowing the chest to completely recoil. Why am I doing that? The point is, is that you are performing the function of the heart right now. You are the pump. So you need that chest to fill back up, that heart to fill back up with oxygenated blood so that when you press down again, it is pumping to the brain and all vital organs. So we are performing the function of the heart, pumping the oxygenated blood into our into the body and keeping that blood pressure high so that that blood is going where it needs to go. So you're doing this 100 to 120 beats per minute or staying alive. So I'm gonna just perform this for a little bit. And you hear that? That's the feedback from our mannequin letting me know that I am performing it correctly. I'm compressing hard enough. Now, if this was a, a human, you would hear bones cracking. You would hear some popping sounds. That's okay. You know, this person is dead right now. So if I weren't pressing hard enough, they wouldn't be getting any oxygenated blood to their brain. So I need to press down and get that blood pumping, get that blood pressure up. And I'm going to keep doing this until EMS arrives. And I will just keep doing this. Now, I'm going to stop now to show you what the next step in this process would be. I'm going to hands off the chest and I'm going to put an AED on this person. Two pads. Okay, before you yes. do that, before you do that, so what you're saying is you continue to pump. You don't do a certain number of pumps and then stop and wait. You just continue to pump until EMTs arrive. Yes. So, you know, it used to be 30, uh, 30 pumps and then 
two breaths. We don't do mouth to mouth anymore. Um, What's important is keeping the blood pressure high. So the second you take your hands off the chest, that blood pressure plummets. And so as lay people, most lay people are not able to effectively give breaths to benefit taking the hands off the chest. So their focus is on the chest, keeping the blood pressure high, and only doing those compressions. So it's very simple. Call 911, push hard and fast on the chest, and shock with an AED when available. Um, So our function is just being the pump for the heart. Right. So while you're getting the AED out, uh, let me also ask this question. You said no mouth to mouth. Is there a time when mouth to mouth resuscitation is warranted? So the only time really you should do mouth to mouth is if it's a uh, known drowning when there is no oxygenated blood in the body. So known drowning, potentially a choking situation after that obstruction has come out. But really, even in those situations, you really should just focus on giving high quality compressions and not worry about the the breathing. Let the professionals come and do that part. Just do what you can on the chest. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is the AED. Yes. Yeah, so, so this child, is a training AED. The child button. But what happens is AEDs talk to you, apply pads and as shown it tells you to, to apply the pads, and it shows you exactly where to apply put them. You put it on the upper the right pictures. chest, lower uh, left kind of abdomen, and it tells skin. you exactly what to do, and it will walk you through apply every step of the process. And once it gets to the proper Apply place, this might not do it. <laughs> it's a training one, so the pads have been used up pretty Press good. pads firmly on skin. So, Julie, are these the AEDs that uh, are handed out at uh, schools and uh, athletic events? Right. So, to date, we've, we've put about 450 to 500 AEDs out in central Pennsylvania, and um, we, we won't stop. It, it's a huge project that we know there's such a need for more AEDs in the community. Yeah, so what happens if this were working properly, um, it would actually advance to the next step. And the next step is that it analyzes the heart rhythm. So AEDs are smart. They will not shock a person unless they are in a shockable rhythm. So I'm speaking right now. I could put a live AED on myself. It wouldn't shock me because I am alive. I have a sinus rhythm. Now, someone who is in a shockable rhythm, uh, ventricular tachycardia, ventricular fibrillation, that would recognize it, and it would send an electrical impulse across the heart, hopefully restarting it so that it would start into a sinus rhythm. Um, now, if you were to perform CPR and put an AED on an individual and they are resuscitated, leave the pads on. People in cardiac arrest can go back into cardiac arrest, so you want to leave everything as it is until EMS takes the uh, the pads off of the individual. Your job is just to stay here. If the person is not shocked back into a shockable rhythm, the AED will tell you to start performing CPR again for another two minutes, and then it will analyze the rhythm again, and it will continue to go through this cycle until EMS arrives and, and takes over the scene. So these AEDs that have been handed out, there are instructions. I assume that uh, someone who finds someone else in cardiac arrest can follow the instructions pretty easily? Right. Anyone can use an AED. You don't have to be trained or certified to use it. So we want to make sure they're very accessible as, you know, so people can save a life when needed. Mm. You can't wait for EMS to arrive. Ashley Forsberg with the Peyton Walker Foundation and Manny, thank you very much for being with us today. All right. Thanks so much for having me. I got to tell you, I have to tell you, uh, Julie, that uh, this was so valuable, even if it's 
for a, a short period of time. Uh, as I mentioned to Ashley, uh, we know that uh, there are a lot of CPR training courses out there, but just this just seems like something that everyone can learn in a short amount of time. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And we've got a video posted on our website that we watch it for four minutes and it goes over all of these instructions. Anyone can learn it. Just It's a basic knowledge. Everyone should know how to do it. Have you ever had to do it? No, but we've been, you know, with this new project, we're launching the Four Minute City, um, and I'd love to come back and talk to you more about that. We're putting 300 AEDs in Cumberland County. There's an app that we get alerts when there's somebody in cardiac arrest in our community. We can go and respond. So we may be called to do that some at some point. When I said earlier that it's not that unusual, uh, how unusual or how often does uh, a sudden cardiac arrest occur? Well, we, we know there's between 400 and 600,000 cardiac arrests in our country every year. It's a, it's a huge, huge issue. It's the number one killer of student athletes every hour, every day. We lose a child to cardiac arrest. So it it is an enormous health problem. And I think all of us as citizens, really, we want to be good neighbors. Let's learn CPR. Let's demand that AEDs are accessible as well. Julie Walker is the founder of the Peyton Walker Foundation. Julie, always good talking with you. And I know you're busy. <laughs> As you said, you have a regular job along right. <laughs> with this, even though this may be your passion. Uh, and so many people have been paying attention and want to learn more about, about heart health since the incident uh, in Cincinnati Monday night. Julie, thank you very much for being with us today. So grateful for being here. Thank you. Thank you.